Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. In this week's episode of Bite Me, we're doing part two of the listener Q&A, listener Q&A number seven. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host and certified Ganjay Marge, and I love helping cooks make safe and effective edibles at home. I'm so glad you're here, and thank you for joining me today. We're going to get right into it this week, my friends, because this is part two of the listener Q&A. So listener Q&A number six, if you haven't heard that one yet, that was last week's and that had a lot of great questions in it too. But before I get into the questions from this particular episode, I just want to bring up another question that I got from a few different people in a single day. And I think that the question is coming up because at the time of this recording, it's beautiful out, it's early October and and it's harvest season for a lot of people in a lot of different places. And I got this question, can you decarboxylate wet weed? And that's a great question, something I have never done before. And intuitively, my th- initial thought was, no, you can't, and you really shouldn't. You should wait till it's dried, and then you can do the process in the oven or your ardent or whatever, whatever process that you have that works best for you. And then I thought I should really look this up. I decided to do an internet search, search to see if the internet agreed with your host, Marge. And it turns out, for the most part, I am correct. And that's, of course, why you're sending in your questions to me. I am correct. Although one website, and that was from the Ardent website, said that it is possible to decarb wet weed. But I think that was probably using a, an Ardent decarboxylator. And in my opinion, it's still preferable to wait until your weed is dry before you decide to decarb it. One of the websites that I was on suggested that when you're trying to decarb, you're going to be drying your weed at the same time. And a lot of the time is going to be spent taking that water content out of your cannabis before it actually gets to the decarbing process. So you almost have to like, if you're drying it in the oven, you're almost like having to do another decarb anyway. All this stuff made intuitive sense to me, but it just turns out that the internet confirmed what I was thinking is that you really should dry your weed before you decide to decarb it. And I know if you're out there and you've just harvested a big batch of weed, you're anxious to use it, but whether you're smoking it or decarbing it or whatever the case might be, just dry it first. You'll be happy that you did. Now let's get to the next questions. Next question comes from Nina. I've been experimenting with growing weed in my garden and making infused oils for cooking, but I've made some big dosing errors, especially with me tasting as I create. Whoopsie. My homemade infusions need a lot of trial and error to know how much infused oil to add per portion of food. I didn't know a T-check type of device existed for homemade edibles. Oh, okay. So I guess this wasn't so much a question as it was a comment, but I'll address it anyway. This is a common issue with people who are getting started and not even actually not even getting started veterans as well with dosing your homemade edibles because (laughs) tasting as you create that can get people into trouble you want to be mindful of that I am somebody with the who has grown up you know 
enjoying a little bit of the batter or whatever it is is off the spoon or the bowl before I wash that dish. Waste not, want not, as they say. But there is a risk of that if it's infused because you can get yourself really high inadvertently. And that, that of course, isn't perfect because there are some variables that you might need to know. Like a lot of the times these online calculators will ask you for how potent your weed is. Well, how the hell do you know that if you grew your own, for instance, or somebody gifted it to you or whatever, or you're using shake and trim or whatever the case might be. A lot of the times homemade stuff isn't as potent as we'd like to think it is. So you could be, as I think I was for a while, uh, thinking you had a higher tolerance than you actually did. Um, but of course it's better to err on that side of caution than to underestimate how potent they are and then be way off base in the opposite direction. So there's that too. Now the tea check is a fantastic advice for people who are making homemade edibles. It is pricey. I'm not going to lie, but of course, if you're using it to make edibles, there are no replaceable parts. It comes with the actual handheld mass spectrometer because that's what it is. It's a really cool little piece of tech that I get into with uh, Parker from T-Check. I did an episode with him and he goes into all the nuances of using that device for figuring out the potency of your edibles. And if you're using it for edibles only, you don't need the expansion kit. It comes with the mass spectrometer and the special calibrated tray that you have to take really good care of. And you can use that over and over and over again. There's no extra parts that you need to purchase for that. If you're getting the expansion kit, which allows you to test the potency of your flower, there are some consumable items within that kit that you would have to replace, but they're actually not that expensive from what I recall. And that might also give you, you know, if you're growing your own weed or you're getting it from somewhere, that that confidence to know how potent the weed is that you're using in your edibles. So again, knowledge is power. Now, if you don't have access to that or you're just not making edibles often enough to justify the expense or you just don't want to justify the expense, at least online calculators can help give you a benchmark and a place to work from. And if you're sort of Using the same process over and over again when you're making your edibles, it can really go a long way to create some consistency. So if you're using often, you know, the same amount of cannabis in your infusion because you found, hey, I'm making an infusion and seven grams in a cup or two works really well for the potency that I like. Keep doing the repeatable thing that's going to make it... um, It's going to give you some confidence. And whenever you make something new, by all means, just because you've repeated that same process over and over again, doesn't mean that with different cannabis or a lot of different variables that can affect the potency, there's no shame in taking that cookie that you would normally eat and cutting it up into, you know, halves or quarters and start low and go slow, as they say, because you just don't want to uh, overdose yourself. We all know it's not a fun time. I mean, I think I've talked about it's not a fun time. So, I mean, if you're growing weed in your own garden to make infused oils, I love that because the cost of of making your own edibles this way is so much less than making buying them in the store. I reside in Canada, and right now, edibles in the legal market, although they are finally doing Health Canada is finally doing the review or whoever it is of the cannabis legislation. So perhaps it might change, but they have 10 milligrams per package as it stands right now. So I'm someone who might consume, you know, 20 to 30 milligrams in a sitting for a comfortable dose for me, which means I would have to buy three packages, often at a cost of say five to ten dollars a package. And you start to do the math. And if I'm eating edibles on a regular basis, that gets really expensive. And 
I don't want to pay that much money. And I don't know what they put in that stuff. And a lot of the times they're using cannabis distillate, which has been stripped of all the everything but the THC and it's not full spectrum. And when I, when you're growing your own weed, you know, the conditions under which that cannabis was grown and you know that you didn't use pesticides and that they didn't spray other stuff on it. And you grew it with love and care and attention. And then you use the infused oils, whatever oil that you want to use. If you want to go organic or whatever the case might be, you control all the inputs and it's so much less expensive. So you're doing your own farm to table edibles and, there are going to be some dosing errors. So another tip that I would use for Nina and anybody else who's sort of just getting started with this process or has been doing it for a while and you're trying to replicate good results is take notes. Please take notes. I have a cannabis cooking journal that I got from Goldleaf. Any old journal would do. A note on your phone, whatever it is. You think you're going to remember what you did last week when you made that infusion or you did your decarb, whatever the case might be, and you just don't. I consider myself to have a pretty good memory as well, but we're all busy and we're using our phones more and more to sort of be our external brain and taking notes will just help you jog that memory because you go back to it and you're like, well, how much weed did I use in that particular fat in that particular instance? But you will have tons of seeds. So if you are a grower, you have friends, you want to give them seeds and that kind of thing. There will be so many. I remember picking them out and... I have so many seeds now, like I didn't even get them all. I would remove them before decarboxylation as best you can, because they're going to pop probably in the oven. And there, there is in the seeds themselves, there is no cannabinoid content. None of that happens until the growing process starts. So you're really decarbing something that's not going to be adding any potency whatsoever to your infusion. So if you can get rid of them, as many as possible, obviously, if at Hermate and their seeds, there's going to be a lot of them, as I've mentioned. So do your best. But in this particular instance, you are going to want to remove them. And Percy's is a companion site to the High and Homegrown podcast, which I am on most Sundays with the gang. That's a really fun podcast. They do it live on Sundays via YouTube, and then they release the episodes during the week. I don't often make a lot of the interviews during the week because I'm doing my own thing. It bite me the show about edibles, but it's a great group of guys who are helping people grow great cannabis at home. Shred Monkey asked me the question, I'm still new to making infusions and I recently grew out some CBD plants and was going to mess around with mixing CBD and THC flour in my infusions, but all my CBD plants turned out to be male. So have you made infusions with male plants? Is it possible to still get CBD from it? I'm interested in more of a full spectrum product. So if there are other cannabinoids I can utilize, how would you go about adding them to the infusion? I've never actually made any kind of infusions using male plants. Now, I know when I had breeder Steve on and he was talking about doing fan leaf infusions, he was mentioning that you could use fan leaves from male plants and make this infusion because there were enough cannabinoids, even in the male plants, in order to make the fan leaf infusion, which you have to sort of triple cook anyway because there aren't as many cannabinoids in that as there would be, obviously, if you're using shake sugar leaf buds, that kind of thing. So no, I haven't done it myself and I'm not sure how potent it would be. There are still some cannabinoids in the male plant, but they're going to be a much lower concentration than they otherwise would be because of the nature of the male plant. But that doesn't mean you couldn't use it to make your infusions. You probably wouldn't want to smoke it because it's not going to do shit except maybe give you a headache. I don't know, but you probably wouldn't want to smoke it. And in this particular instance, this is a case where you might want to actually use the buds whatever buds are on there. I normally use, in a lot of cases, shake or trim for my infusions, but 
In this particular instance, you probably want to use the bud, the full flower instead of the shake because they just want to be potent enough and you just have to use so much unless, you know, a lower potency infusion is something that you'd be after. There would certainly be other cannabinoids within the male plant as well. Even within the female flower, there's going to be a lot more cannabinoids than just like the THC and CBD. There's usually a range of cannabinoids. They're just going to be at much lower levels. Something else to consider is if you do have a male plant, perhaps try the fan leaf infusion that I can link to in the show notes. And also, I had somebody on my show, Manny of Bud and Lather, who makes cannabis-infused soaps, and he recommends using the root roots of the plant, and that they're high in CBG. And I should have asked him. I think he said that you could use male plants as well. I'd have to double check on that, but it could be something worth trying. And maybe I'll make a note of that in the show notes when I write those out to see, because I could quickly ask him if that's something you could do, because that's another way to use all the plant if you can. And when you have one that's that's turned out to be male and you didn't catch it in time, why not use the other parts of it, if you're, even if you're not going to be able to smoke it like you were kind of growing it for? So great question, Shred Monkey. I appreciate that. This question comes from Barry in the UK. What exactly is the difference between the A and B settings on the Ardent FX? So if you have an Ardent FX, there are a couple of settings when it comes to the decarb and usually the A and B settings, if I recall, are just based on the cannabinoid content of the plant material that you're using. I can't remember which is which at the moment. A is probably your THC-based flower. And then, of course, you're going to have a setting for CBD flower if you're using that in your decarb or your infusion. I have one last question from Lauren. Lauren is a mother of six and a wife and a full-time wedding planner. She has a lot of stressors and she's not interested in using any medications to help with those stress. She has noted that some of her anxiety has grown quite a bit, which sounds quite reasonable when you think of how busy this woman must be. She's been struggling with its onset over the last few months. She says, I have applied for and got my medical marijuana card recently. I'm too scared to move forward. In the past, I was a total pothead. I'm talking 10 years ago. I stopped because I was starting to have panic attacks from being high. Over the years, I've tried again, here and there, and the results are the same. I lose control of my thoughts and I lose my mind. I convince myself I'm going to lose my children for being a high mom and having panic attacks. It's so scary for me. I'm very interested in getting started with microdosing, but I'm terrified of getting high. I'm hoping you'll give me some advice to get started to help me on this journey. Well, Lauren, I'm hoping my answer will be very similar to the one that I probably gave you when I got this question via email, but your experience is actually not as uncommon as you might think. For myself, one of the reasons I stopped smoking as much weed is I would get really paranoid. And then the less that I smoked cannabis, when I did again turn to it because I was at a social setting and a joint was being passed around or something like that, my tolerance was so much lower than it would have been when I was consuming on a regular basis that it took me very little to get high. But people don't think about this and they just end up, you know, having a few puffs of a joint and the next thing, and they know they are fucked up and it's uncomfortable they're uncomfortably high so i understand the idea of wanting to get started with microdosing now one of the great things again i'm going to mention the dry herb vaporizer is if you're interested in consuming cannabis via smoke inhalation of some kind then a dry herb vaporizer can allow you to smoke the cannabis a puff at a time 
I find that's a lot harder with joints. Bongs are probably out of the question because they'll just they'll just be too strong. You could even do a vape pen from a local cannabis shop if you have a, access to good clean vape pens, though they're not my favorite, but sometimes the high does dissipate quickly. So if you do overdo it a little bit too much, like when you're first experimenting in the beginning, you, you can know that you're going to come down faster. But again, these pens, you just take one puff and see how you feel and set it down. And of course, there's options for THC, CBD, and balanced products as well. And you can do the same with cannabis flower and the dry herb vaporizer. There's a lot of reasons I don't like vape pens. A lot of the times the, te- the actual tech itself is faulty and they can have problems and they can leak and they can break and they're using cannabis distillate most of the time and there's a whole bunch of reasons why I don't find them as effective as using straight flour but if you can get your hands on some kind of microdosing style of dry herb vaporizer or something to that effect then you can you can heat it up and take one puff, wait 30 minutes and see how you feel and just really start that way. Now if you're interested in edibles Again, you can definitely microdose. And I've, one of the reasons I turned to edibles myself is I found I really liked the slower onset. Edibles can take up to an hour to kick in, sometimes longer, depending on what you've eaten, all kinds of different factors. I really preferred the slower onset and the comfortable dose. I used them in the evenings. They really did help with stress relief. And I never found that I got that sort of paranoid feeling that I could sometimes get when I was smoking cannabis. Again, because you're just starting out, the start low and go slow method is your best friend. If you have access to dispensary edibles, sometimes it's great because you can go there and you can buy the lowest dose possible edibles you can find. If you're scared, I understand that you probably want to just know that if you start this low dose, it's going to be much gentler on you and there's really nothing to be afraid of. Yes, you've had some bad experiences, but when you get that sweet spot right with your edibles, you're going to really enjoy the feeling and I find you don't have that paranoia. Don't let them talk you into the whole sativa indica thing. It doesn't really matter in these particular cases, but you could try edibles or you could try cannabis oils available in a lot of these dispensaries as well and start at the lowest possible dose and wait a while. So you can pick up edibles now that have, say, one milligram of THC in them. Eat one of those. See how you feel. Don't eat any more for the rest of the day. The next day, if you felt nothing, eat two of them. And just build your way up that way. And then you can feel more confident as you realize, hey, I'm not going to be off my rocker by consuming too much. And it's a safe and enjoyable way to experiment and see how they make you feel. Because the whole point is for you to ease some of your anxiety and reduce some stress that you have from being a busy wife, mother, and entrepreneur. This should be something that can help you manage those stressors in your life instead of being something that adds stress to your life because that's definitely not what you want. So I would say start low, go slow. Whether you're vaporizing something or you're doing edibles, slow as possible dose, work your way up from there. And then if you're interested in making your own edibles, that's certainly something that you could do as well, but you're going to want to start at very low doses. So that's what I would suggest when it comes to microdosing is if you can find a reputable source of flour or edibles, go from the lowest possible dose you can and slowly work your way up. And then I think you'll find that once you're started on that journey and you find that sweet spot, you can experiment with a whole lot of other things, whether it's growing your own flour, make your own edibles or whatever the case might be. But once you're feeling confident, then you'll find that you're going to enjoy them instead of it being 
something that induces fear. Another thing that might help in this particular instance is take notes. Again, there's notebooks out there. Make your own note on your phone, whatever the case might be that works for you that you'll remember to use it. And if you take that one milligram edible or you have that one puff of this particular flower that you've picked up from somewhere, make note of what they were, what the strain was, what the edible was, the potency. If you're smoking flour, what terpenes are in it, if that information is available and make a note of that and see, write down how you felt. And then you have that as a reference guide that you can come back to as you uh, embark on this journey of of self-exploration. And you know what? Of all the journeys I've been on in my life, that one's been a fun one. There's been some roads to personal development that have been much rockier than the one that I have found with cannabis. So enjoy the process. I wish you the best of luck, Lauren. So I believe I have actually covered all the questions in my notes for the Canna- or the listener Q&A. And I just want to say thank you for all the people who took the time to write in. It really means a lot when people ask me questions. I feel like I've learned a lot over the years through, the, through my own experiment experimentation, self-experimentation, education, the Gangier Cannabis Sommelier program that I took, the Cooking with Cannabis course that was so fantastic. There's, I'm always trying to learn new things. I love sharing that information with the people who are listening to this show. So I appreciate the time and energy that people took to send in these questions and for you listeners who are listening to this episode and I am going to break it up into two episodes. So once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. You know what to do, my friends. Stay high.